1: Are, you in, are you in fashion? In fashion. fashion. Did you see what she's wearing? <gasps> Tom shoes. I'm Sonia Sly. My heels are killing me. Um, but I was told I had a backstage pass.
0: You will need to get the right pass to get behind me, Pam. Like oh, I need sorry. to go. Code red. Code red. Code. We
1: have a situation. I'm taking you inside the fashion industry to discuss trends, the reality behind the glamour, and the highs and lows of a fast-paced industry that never stops. Heels or flats?
0: Flat, comfortable shoes, and cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Even if
1: you're short. Yeah, because well, you're not particularly tall no. either. Like, how tall are you? I'm five foot three. That's right. Designer Margie Robertson has a few inches on me. And I mean, was finding clothes ever part of that issue for you in terms of like you know you wanted to make clothes that fit you well and
0: it's never been an issue for me that things have been too big Okay. and you know for me big is good, like yeah. oversized, is amazing and I mean I have worn high shoes but you know I'm in my mid
1: 60s now it's just like comfortable shoes What is the one thing that you would save if your house was burning down? And I, I imagine you've got a lot of things so Probably my mother's wedding headband
0: it's made out of Almost like paper mache, little flowers with buds and things that obviously they're like a little bit of a headband, quite cool. I managed to acquire it from years ago. I don't know if the rest of the family knows.
1: If you're unaccustomed to the local fashion scene, chances are you've still heard of the label Nom D. Margie founded the iconic New Zealand label just over 30 years ago at a time when there wasn't a lot available in the New Zealand retail market the Dunedin-based brand quickly gave rise to the dark edge associated with New Zealand fashion, favouring plenty of layering and directional tailoring, all the while influenced by Margie's travels and a rock and roll punky edge. And winter or summer?
0: Winter, really, just because of the climate that we live in, I think... um, I do find it quite hard to take my clothes off. I've actually done research. I remember years ago, I actually went to Sydney for a couple of weeks, sort of like in December, to see what it was like to be living in a hot climate um, and what would I wear. And I actually still remember going and taking the shorts off that I had underneath the skirt because it was just so hot. Like I could only have one layer on.
1: So that's quite a frightening prospect for you. Yeah, you just yeah, don't yeah. like to dress like that,
0: as personally. But, I mean, we're very aware when we're designing now, too, that it's not just about us down here in the, in the deep south. It's obviously our market's much broader than that. And, of course, there's a lot more people living up in the North Island or in Australia than there are down here. So.
1: Many a New Zealand designer has looked to Nomde as a point of reference, and admittedly, I've been a fan of the label myself, well, since I was a teenager. I've still got one of my first Nomde cardigans with a double-ended zip, which I saved for for so long. It's a little moth-eaten now, but the design has stood the test of time.
0: No, I know. Well, the thing is that also, I think, after having produce collections for 30 years, you know, two every year, we also have our own archives. So often we're going in and pulling out those turtlenecks with the double zip and going, actually, we should do this again because I think that's what NOMD is about. It's not really about fast fashion. It's about pieces that you can keep, you know. It's a great starting point for anybody that comes into the design room. Mm. So it it allows us to be working with different talents all the time because obviously people um, move on. I'm the only one that's here forever.
1: (laughs) I've come to realise. (laughs) I've been invited to the NOMD workroom. It's spacious with plenty of light. There are rolls of fabric that sit beneath the cutting table and rails from floor to ceiling holding upcoming and archived collections and patterns.
0: Yeah. Um, this is our
1: sort of dispatch
0: area, and obviously... Current season. Yeah, about, yeah, sending off current season here. To stock and us. And then that's all, yeah, to stock us. And then this is our design room. So this is Lauren and Rosie. Okay. And
1: this they're part of Sonia. your design team? Yeah,
0: They are the design team.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> okay. And that's the way it goes for established labels. They have a team of designers who work to the brand's brief. They're
0: like all prototypes, people. so they're like first offs and not not perfect, which we um, collect and have, I don't know if you've ever heard about the famous annual sales at Plume. Oh
1: yeah.
0: We have like, because we don't open on Sundays of course, So we but then once a year we have like a Sunday sale and we just sell all that stuff off. So basically what you f- do first, before you actually make your proper first sample, you mm-hmm. have a
1: prototype.
0: A lot of people work like with calicos, but we always like to work with the fabric that we're going to use.
1: And how different would these prototypes be to the what became the actual garment?
0: Oh, you know, maybe the fit's not fantastic, maybe they're much longer or much shorter, or you know that type of thing or we've changed the neckline or so you've always you're always developing throughout the sort of design process, you're developing that each individual garment all the time.
1: So obviously they're still wearable, though, because yeah. people are going to buy them. Yeah. And with the non-D tag inside.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs>
1: no. I mean, that's what people kind of look for, isn't it? Well, you know,
0: they yeah. want to own a bit of the brand. It's a great entry level quite often, too, for um, the consumer that isn't quite ready to sort of invest in the in the real piece it's a good entry level.
1: And as for building an audience, Nomdi have such a loyal local following that they've never had to look very far to expand their customer base. But they do export to Australia, where I'm told that they're considered very cool. But hey, we knew that already, right? And of course Japan too. That's as far afield as we are these days. Does um, it ever freak you out just having to kind of design so far ahead? or Because a lot of the pieces are trans-seasonal aren't they? Like well, we try and
0: make it like that now. I think I think what we actually have to bear in mind is that our best market is our New Zealand market. And then within that, our best market's almost the South Island because, mm-hmm. you know, you've, after 30 years, you've got such an amazing, loyal clientele. And, of course, we do have real seasons here. You know, we have winter. So when is. we're doing winter, we really have to think about knitwear. Often when you get to... And say, Melbourne, say in Australia, is really into knitwear. As soon as you go to Sydney or North or the North Island, it's trans seasonal winds, you know. What's your average day? Well, basically coming, um, arriving here at work and seeing what these guys are up to. Okay. Um, <laughs> making sure that there isn't anything that I need to know about Or any, any issues that need to be solved You know, the hands-on work is really handled by Rosie and Lauren That type of thing Lauren's always communicating with um, the CMT factories that make our clothes And that's in New Zealand? Yep, everything's made in here in New Zealand um, Then going through into dispatch and seeing how those guys are going upstairs which is actually our accounts department and then my office is up there and you know then I'd be checking emails and so basically just managing or you know the whole the whole environment.
1: What identifiable distinct part of you do you find that is always in you know each collection? Is there a signature piece or I mean does it all feel like it's all you? I mean it's your brand of course but Mm. are there always just signature pieces that you have to have a specific detail? There always has
0: to be like a little bit of a sense of humour about items or about the collection. I mean, obviously, we produce clothes that we're going to sell, so they're not necessarily designed to be in a museum. They're designed to be worn by people, by real people, not necessarily, you know, stick figures or that type of thing. I suppose the one thread that would be in every single collection would be the stenciled T-shirts. There's probably a day doesn't go past when I'm not wearing one. Are you a collector of T-shirts in general, like, or um, just your own ones? Well, I do have quite a few of our own. The only other um,
1: T-shirts i buy would be gig T-shirts, oh, yeah.
0: if I feel like I want to support Nick Cave or Leonard Cohen or that type of thing, so I have got a few of those.
1: Has music always been a bit of an influence for you and your aesthetic?
0: Yeah, but also like the one thing about NOMD is it's not just about me. It's actually about collaborating with a team that's around us. Generally, the people that are working for us too are always of the same feeling, like the same sort of music, that type of thing. So there is that sort of present have been admired by lots of people over the years. It's not necessarily about what's brand new or what's going on you know and yeah. I mean there is the whole Dunedin influence of course with the, with the Dunedin sound that we've had.
1: I guess for you being based in Dunedin and you're seeing you know all sorts of people wearing your clothing There are lots of stylish people here like people yeah. are really interested in fashion do you yeah. find
0: that? Yeah. Hang Ups Boutique was our very first retail store 1975. We moved to the location where we are Plume in 78. I'd like to think that we
1: probably have some part of influencing <laughs> Our local clientele, and even young designers that are based here. You know, do you do you see like a direct kind of line of influence when you look at some of their work? Because you you know, as one of the judges for the ID yeah. awards, it's just like an uh, say an artist,
0: in you know, in the art field, everybody's generally influenced by by something or somebody that they admire. I sort of feel that it's. You know, an accolade to actually be referenced, and I think that what happens is when those aspiring designers actually go out into the world and start creating their own collections, they then develop their own look. After that, you know, if you look at, um, say, for instance, Ralph Hotery's work, you know, his early work was influenced a lot by Picasso. You know, up until the time he died, he definitely had his own signature. You know, that that changed quite a bit, and I think that's what happens with um, fashion as well, with fashion design.
1: So that when you were emerging as a designer and coming out in the industry, I mean, obviously you didn't have, you know, sort of access to all of the global influences that Mm. designers have today. So what were you wearing at the time? and Were you making your own clothes
0: to wear? Um, Hmm. Interesting. I mean, back in the sort of like 70s and 80s, I suppose we were... Definitely wearing New Zealand-made clothes. I mean, I've always been... It's never really just been about us. I've always been a fan of all different designers' work. So on a personal level, I'm never really just solely nomdi I've always got other work that I admire and I, I would wear that. That's really what I am.
1: But in the mid-'80s, something threw Margie's outlook on fashion and turned it completely on its head. Yep, we're talking travel. Globally, designers have sourced plenty of inspiration from the cultural chaos of Japan, the home of minimalism.
0: Like, it just changed my life, to be honest.
1: Really? What was it? Prior to that, it
0: was a lot of sort of dynasty dressing. There was a bit of shoulder pads and waists. And I think travelling to Japan, um, obviously the presence of black, unashamedly wearing black, was was very acceptable. And also that whole sort of aesthetic of one size fits all. So like all, because of obviously with their traditional dress, a lot of it's made so anybody can wear it, doesn't matter what size you are. And then also just their um, presentation, their minimal presentation in stores. So we went really from being a sort of trendy boutique to being like a very clean, tidy store. And I mean, in this day and age, everybody has stores like that now. But back then, in the 80s, it it was a huge transition for me personally. Did you buy a few things when you were there? Yeah, yeah, I've got my very first Comme des Garçons outfit, which I still have.
1: Last year, during ID Dunedin Fashion Week, Maggie exhibited 12 of her favourite outfits from her personal wardrobe at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. Oh, I was blown away. You have some amazing pieces. Yeah, I have. Well, you know, I'm a bit of a hoarder. I inherited
0: that from my mother, I think, so, you know.
1: So, I mean, do you usually go back to things that you've bought and, like, wear them? If I fitted them, I would. Right. (laughs) When I saw that exhibition, I actually wanted, I thought, oh, my God, I want to raid your wardrobe. Mm. <laughs> it must be huge, <laughs> you know, as uh, big as this workroom. Yeah, there's a few
0: wardrobes. <laughs> there's a few suitcases down in the basement um, that I had to go to to actually find going, Where is that, you know, fishnet scarf or whatever? So, you know, no, I went and, and sourced them. Like, I think what was quite interesting about doing that exhibition last year was that I still felt great about every single one of those 12 outfits. They still could be worn today. I mean obviously I've got a lot of um, Margiela too from the sort of 90s as well which are still incredible pieces and then to hear somebody like you saying you know you're pulling out an Omdi garment I mean it's just exactly the same aesthetic really isn't it. For us to have a client base that feels like that about it is really important.
1: Is it hard to let go of those pieces because you you think back to a memory of when you bought it or there's something about the fabric that, you know, the tactile part of you just doesn't want to leave?
0: It is quite hard to let go of them. I've got a granddaughter. I have two sons, but actually only one granddaughter, so I assume she'll inherit them.
1: Oh, lucky thing. Yeah. What, What are your feelings about what you're seeing coming out of... design schools and in in the industry now and and where do you see amongst that that NOMD is placed in that context? I think the one
0: thing that is very sort of unique to design in, in our time like now is the technical creation of fabrics. What's happening in the world is there's a lot of Restraints, say, for instance, with cotton and the way things are dyed and the damage it's doing to the world. Our sheep don't produce as strong wool as they did back... Yeah, back at, It's more of... Um, it's the, the thread isn't as long, the fibre in, in, the, in the wool. So there's lots of... Do you know um, why? I just think the environment that they're living in, you know, I think um, the atmosphere isn't as clean as it would have been back in the 60s or 70s I mean we know that and so I think what's happening is that fabrics are becoming more and more man-made or treated I don't think that's a bad thing I mean we've always tried to use natural fibers in that respect I actually quite like the way if they've been treated like say rayons or viscoses that they've actually had another coating on them but I think what we we see from the emerging designers is that within their education, they're so encouraged to develop fabrications. And, you know, there was some incredible work has been over the past years of, of what they've done. I mean, whether it's something that can be mass-produced if they're actually looking to make it a commercial enterprise, and, I mean, who knows if they are or not. But... Um, I think that's the future. I think that's what's
1: going to happen. Even for established brands like yourself?
0: I mean, we just do what we do. Yeah. I think it's really, really important that we're not trying to be everything. And I think it's really important for ourselves and also our customer. We are, we've got to look. Everything has to be unmistakably NOMD. Mm. Just like if you looked at something from Bernard Willem, you know that it's Bernard Willem, or if you look at something from Rick Owens, you know that it is. It's got to have that signature. That's the thing that's
1: probably the most important thing for us here. And so I suppose then there is no stressing ahead of seasons that you know, you're know you not lacking in any kind of inspiration. Like, for instance, what's coming up in the, the um, season that you're about to send off overseas? I mean, the thing is,
0: I've always been a, quite a fan of that sort of archetype type garment, you can see over there that we've actually got tartans I mean I do have a, an affinity for tartans, if you look at our fabrics that we collect over the years, I can't give away anything that's like a traditional check, it's like oh no, it's really cool, I love
1: that. Is um, that because of the Scottish heritage down here? or I okay? don't know, the I think it's era. the
0: uniform, okay. I think it's actually always referencing back to a uniform which then takes us back to that archetype garment, so there's always like a blazer and there's always, well obviously t-shirts and, you know, so it's referencing sort of that, has got a a little bit of an element of a uniform about it too, so it takes us back to that one size fits all type
1: garment. And then I guess once you kind of start deconstructing that as as well, you can end up with something completely new, reimagined.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I mean that then becomes the signature of the brand, so...
1: For a brand entering the market now, the type of customer the label will attract is always a big consideration. But for Margie and the Nom D label, it's all about doing what comes naturally.
0: And I mean, you do see, like, the presence of the t shirts is always massive. Because often that can be the item that a student can afford, like the socks or the t shirts, or. Mm. It's a great entry level. Yeah. See I don't know that we grow with it. That I physically think about it, to be honest. It's, it's just. It's not really part of our aesthetic to think about that right at the beginning it's otherwise things too many things are getting in the way of the
1: design process and is it quite nice for you to even like now still see that oh I mean do you, do you get a kick out of that when people, yeah. people wearing your clothes? Yeah, I
0: suppose you know I get a bit used to it here I think the biggest kick I remember one year in Paris actually seeing. A girl who happened to be from New York, like wearing one of our dresses, and it was like, oh, that's pretty cool.
1: That was Margie Robertson, the founder of iconic New Zealand label Nom And you've been listening to My Heels Are Killing Me, presented and produced by me, Sonia Sly, and engineered by Phil Benge. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a host of other great podcasts on the RNZ series and podcast page. So why not try some of the new episodes of Black Sheep? Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.